Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you've had a fantastic Tuesday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're going to talk about today, today's show is starting out heavy. It's this truly horrible and heartbreaking and infuriating story involving YouTuber Corey LeBerry and a popular tattoo artist by the name of Daniel Silva. And this news was first reported by TMZ, which of course you kind of go, maybe it's not real. But then we did see it corroborated by social media posts from Corey's brother and mother, with Corey's mother writing in her post, my heart breaks right now. On my son's 25th birthday today, he was very drunk and got into a car with a drunk driver. The accident killed him instantly. No words can describe the sadness I feel in losing a child. And soon after, we saw the Los Angeles Police Department confirming in a statement they had also arrested the driver of that vehicle for murder. Also identifying that individual as Daniel Silva, a popular tattoo artist who has appeared on the show Ink Master. Now, according to the statement, this crash happened at 9.39 p.m. when Silva was speeding in a McLaren sports car and lost control. He then ran off the road and crashed into a street sign and tree. Silva then, according to reports, exited the vehicle, attempted to leave the scene, but he was stopped by citizens who came to help. LeBerry and Silva were then transported to the hospital for medical treatment, where police said that the passenger ultimately succumbed to his injuries. And while they did not specify what injury Silva sustained, according to TMZ, Silva suffered a broken hip. Also, you had TMZ reporting that witnesses saw both men at a party earlier that night celebrating LeBerry's birthday. Also, while the police statement did not detail the allegations involving alcohol, the press release was titled DUI, Fatal Traffic Collision Results and Arrest. As far as what happens to Silva here, we're gonna have to wait wait and see. According to NBC News, Silva was in custody Monday night in lieu of $200,000 bail. But we also saw TMZ reporting on Monday that he was arrested and booked, but still in the hospital. Also, jail records that we have viewed showed that his bail was set at $2 million and that he was released from custody at around 11 a.m. today. Though no other information about the reason or agency he was released to was provided. So right now, it is a bit unclear exactly what his situation is. But while we wait to see what happens from a legal aspect with this story, one of the most notable things was just the outpouring of love and heart break over this loss. LeBerry was a beloved creator in the YouTube community. He had over 300,000 subscribers on his own channel, over 100,000 on a duo channel with YouTuber Crawford Collins. More recently, some might recognize him for being a contestant on The Reality House. And as the news spread on social media, we saw people in just disbelief and heartbreak, with fans, friends, and fellow creators noting just what a, what a great and nice person he was. And something that I'll say here, because there, there are a number of cynics whenever there's a situation like this. If you are a fan of this man and you are heartbroken, don't feel weird or wrong for that. This weird thing that is internet and social media makes us feel very close to, to the people that we follow. Whoever it is, they can feel like extended members of your family. And when the person is gone, there is a hole there. But if there is something we can do in addition to remembering someone who was lost with this story, I believe it's raising the awareness of just the dangers of driving under the influence. According to the CDC, every day, 29 people in the United States die in motor vehicle crashes that involve an alcohol impaired driver. These are pointless, unnecessary, easily avoidable deaths, all because someone made a selfish and short-sighted decision. And so if there is something we can take from this story, it's, it's a reminder that this risk should never be taken, both for ourselves and the people around us. And actually, this kind of mindset is why we've seen a large number of fans changing their profile pictures to the color blue in an effort to raise awareness about the dangers of drunk driving, many of which using the hashtag blue for Corey. And I guess with this story, if there were to be a question, uh, what, what are your thoughts around these reported charges against Silva? Obviously, this is based off of what we know now, but of course, I'd love to know your thoughts. And once again, if, if there is a final thing I can say, my heart goes out to, to Corey's friends, family, everyone that cared about him. And for everyone else, it, it is just another uh, fucking unfortunate reminder that we need to love who we have while we have them because at any moment, everything can change. Then in other internet news, though not as depressing and heartbreaking, and actually more on the business end, we should talk about Quibi, who notably and how dare they have still not offered me $20 million to bring the Philip DeFranco show over to Quibi, but 
Shockingly, that wasn't the reason they were making headlines. Instead, it was because the founder of Quibi, Jeffrey Katzenberg, reportedly during a video interview said, quote, I attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus, everything, but we own it. And as far as the thing that he's talking about that has gone wrong, it appears that, you know, uh, be the fact that Quibi is so far not a resounding success. As the New York Times article pointed out, Quibi fell out of the list of the top 50 most downloaded free iPhone apps in the United States a week after it went live on April 6th. And noting it is now ranked number 125 behind the game app Nakamal, and the language learning app Duolingo. With Quibi saying 3.5 million people have downloaded the app and adding that 1.3 million are active users, which many people look at right now as just not good numbers for, for an app and a company that raised $1.8 billion, that also signed deals and got the likes of Jennifer Lopez, LeBron James, Idris Elba, Steven Spielberg, Chrissy Teigen. But I mean, they even got Christoph Waltz and Liam Hemsworth for a Quibi version of The Most Dangerous Game. And I wanna close this story out on two fronts. One, I'm not just gonna blindly show shit on Quibi here, right? There's actually some decent programming on the app. LeBron James' docuseries about the Promise School that he opened, fantastic. Reno 911 uh, coming back, great. Anna Kendrick in Dummy where she, <laughs> she stars alongside a sex doll that can talk, yeah, but where are you advertising and how are you trying to onboard people? Because I have not seen almost any of that. And for an app that's all about short form internet content, it, it's wild to me that you did not go to online creators who are actively already doing that for essentially free, that are constantly looking for budgets to do something bigger and would still be outputting on a YouTube, on a, an Instagram, a TikTok, or whatever, so they would also serve as advertising every time they post. And obviously it's a different situation, but it's also why you see with, let's say, YouTube originals, you do see mainstream artists so that they can show the rest of the world, hey, look at the big names we have, but they also embrace online creators who have just organically come up. You gotta have a mix at launch if you don't have established franchises to jump off of like a Netflix did, as a Disney Plus did very successfully, but obviously it's Disney. Right, so there's that. And then uh, two, regarding placing the blame of, of the, uh, I use the word failure here loosely because this is still early days. You are essentially saying our entertainment app that is not only affordable coming in at just $4.99 initially and with a three month free trial is failing because the situation we're living in right now involves people looking for free and or cheap entertainment to escape. It's just a silly argument in my opinion. And then let's talk about how while well, right now, most of the world, right, trying to actively avoid getting COVID-19, there's actually a group out there trying to get it. And that group are locked up inmates. And as far as why people are doing this, it's because inmates are getting early releases because of the virus. You know, we have high profile examples of people getting early releases. Like yesterday, we talked about Takashi 69 We've also seen the likes of Michael Avenatti getting a temporary early release. And while you do also have examples like that of R. Kelly and Bill Cosby who have tried and failed to get out of jail because of the coronavirus, as of mid-April, over 16,000 inmates in the United States have been released for this reason. But there are also even being some cases where inmates who are positive for the virus, they, they leave, but usually to some kind of medical facility. Right, and so with all of this happening, we got a new report from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department stating that some inmates are trying to get the virus on purpose in hopes of being released. And we're also now seeing video footage from North County Correctional Facility where this took place, appearing to show them doing it. Right, and in this video, you see one inmate fill up a bottle with hot water, then the other inmates start passing it around, taking swigs from it. And this, despite the fact that they have access to their own cups and bottles for their own water. And according to a statement from the department, they did this for two reasons. To falsely elevate their oral temperatures moments before having their temperature taken by a nurse who's later seen on camera and to spread the potential of infection. This 
reportedly is not the only thing they allegedly did in attempts to contract the virus. Right? In addition to inmates sharing a cup, they also started breathing and sniffing from the same mask to spread germs. You can also see that despite the room having some space, they're all standing relatively close to one another. So according to the statement, as a direct result of the behavior seen in the video, 21 men tested positive for COVID-19 within a week. And then adding a gross misunderstanding among the inmate population led many to believe that those diagnosed with COVID-19 may be released, which is untrue. According to the LA Times, case growth actually didn't stop there. In fact, a total of 30 inmates have tested positive as a result of what happened in these videos. Now that said, so far, none of the inmates have admitted that they intentionally contracted the virus, but Sheriff Alex Villanueva believes that their intentions are obvious because this behavior is unusual. But here's the thing, while Sheriff Alex Villanueva did say, It's sad to think that someone deliberately tried to expose himself to COVID-19. Somehow there was some mistaken belief among the inmate population that if they tested positive, that there was a way to force our hand and somehow release more inmates out of our jail environment. And that's not gonna happen. Reportedly, Assistant Sheriff Bruce Chase has told some reporters that two inmates in this case have been released. But reports also indicate that the department is exploring the possibility of criminal prosecution here. But ultimately, that's where we are regarding this aspect of the story. Uh, coronavirus in prisons has been a big topic lately. You know, right now the LASD says that 357 inmates have tested positive for COVID-19 with 117 recovered. The virus has hit employees as well. LA has also taken measures to prevent outbreaks and reduce their population maximums in their jails, as well as reducing the number of arrests they make. Also, Nationwide, according to the Marshall Project, as of May 6th, over 20,000 people in American prisons have tested positive for the coronavirus, with reports that 304 inmates have died. The Bureau of Prisons also stating that 70% of tested inmates show positive results for the coronavirus, but also adding the severity of all this varies state by state. But ultimately, that's where we are right now, and of course, as always, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And then, let's talk about this big Senate hearing today. I'm gonna try and make it digestible for you. If you didn't see, this morning, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee held a hearing on the coronavirus, and there we saw witness testimony from the likes of the CDC director, the FDA commissioner, the assistant secretary of health and human services, and of course, Dr. Fauci. And this is a massive deal because it's the first time that Congress has gotten to publicly question these top officials since Trump declared a national emergency two months ago. And in addition to a number of important topics, one of the main focal points was Dr. Fauci and his comments around opening back up. And one of the reasons so many of these questions about reopening were directed to Dr. Fauci is because last night when the New York Times asked Dr. Fauci what he wanted to convey to the committee, he responded in an email with the major message that I wish to convey to the Senate HLP committee tomorrow is the danger of trying to open the country prematurely. If we skip over the checkpoints and the guidelines to open America again, then we risk the danger of multiple outbreaks throughout the country. This will not only result in needless suffering and death, but would actually set us back on our quest to return to normal. And so unsurprisingly today, this is something that he hit on when he was asked what he thinks will happen if states start to open up too soon. My concern is that if states or cities or regions, uh, in their attempt, understandable, to get back to some form of normality, disregard to a greater or lesser degree the checkpoints that we put in our guidelines about when it is safe to proceed in pulling back on mitigation. Because I feel if that occurs, there is a real risk that you will trigger an outbreak that you may not be able to control, which in fact, paradoxically will set you back, not only leading to some suffering and death that could be avoided, but could even set you back on the road to trying to get economic recovery because it would almost turn the clock back rather than going forward. That is my major concern. Fauci also explaining that states need to be prepared and have the ability to deal with what will happen next. One of the things that I keep emphasizing, and I'll just repeat it again because it's important, that when you are in the process of opening up and pulling back on mitigation, you really must have in place the capability of responding when you do have the inevitable upticks in cases 
that will absolutely occur. It's how we deal with it and how successful we are in putting the clamps on it that will prevent us from getting the kind of rebound that not only from the standpoint of illness and death would be something that's unacceptable, but it will set us back in our progress towards reopening the country. Also, when asked if he thought that the US had the virus under control, as Trump indicated in recent weeks, he said- If you think that we have it completely under control, we don't. I mean, if you look at the, the dynamics of the outbreak, and we are seeing a diminution of hospitalizations and infections in some places, such as in New York City, which has plateaued and started to come down, New Orleans, but in other parts of the country, we are seeing spikes. So I think we're going in the right direction, but the right direction does not mean we have by any means total control of this outbreak. And we run the risk of having a resurgence. I would hope by that point in time, in the fall, that we have more than enough to respond adequately. But if we don't, there will be problems. Fauci also addressing the speculation and claims like we've seen from some, including Trump in the past, that this could go away without a vaccine. That is just not gonna happen because it's such a highly transmissible virus. And even if we get better control over the summer months, it is likely that there will be virus somewhere in this on this planet that will eventually get back to us. You know, these points were also hit on and supported by the other experts like CDC Director Robert Redfield, who told the senators we're not out of the woods yet. Also, another main reason this hearing was so highly anticipated is because people wanted to see, you know, what these experts said compared to what Trump has been saying. Right, I mean, two weeks ago, for example, when the federal social distancing guidelines expired, Trump announced that he would not extend them, saying- We think we really have crossed a big boundary and uh, much better days are ahead. And I often say I see the light at the end of the tunnel very strongly. And since then, the way he's generally been talking about the virus makes it sound like it's largely handled, even though the United States has now hit 80,000 recorded deaths. And now a large majority of states have started to implement at least a partial reopening. But according to reports, more than half of those states do not meet the Trump administration's guidelines for doing so. And among other things, those guidelines rely on two key factors. You have increased testing capabilities and a downward trajectory of positive cases. You know, lots of states have not increased their testing capabilities. And in fact, according to one report, in more than half of states easing restrictions last week, case counts were trending upward. The portion of positive test results was rising or both. Also regarding testing, we've seen Trump repeatedly brag about the US testing capabilities. If somebody wants to be tested right now, they'll be able to be tested. We have now, and nobody says it, they just don't want to write it. By far more tests than any other country in the world, not even a contest. And the quality of our test is the best anywhere in the world. And during a press conference yesterday, we saw Trump again seem to insinuate that we've beat the virus or that it's been handled. We have met the moment and we have prevailed. Also, when asked later, Trump said that he meant that the country had prevailed on increasing access to testing. But even that is right now believed to be a questionable claim. It is now true that the United States has nearly doubled daily testing from 150,000 tests per day from a month ago to now 300,000 per day. But that is still way under the 5 million daily target that Trump himself set last month. It is also simply not true that everyone has access to testing. The US reportedly currently only has the capacity to test everyone who is symptomatic or has been in known contact with someone that tested positive. Trump has also mischaracterized the number of new cases saying. The numbers are way down from what they were two weeks ago. I mean, the numbers are really coming down and very substantially. This weekend was one of the lowest 
we've had. This is, you know, the numbers are coming down very rapidly. With Trump also claiming that those numbers were universal. And here's the thing, while the number of new cases reported across the country was 40,000, which is less than the 60,000 reported two weeks ago, that is still not good. It is also not a universal trend. Uh, according to reports, new cases are actually increasing in nine states and basically unchanged in more than two dozen. Which again, to bring it full circle, is something that Dr. Fauci hit on in his testimony. Right? That this is something that is happening unevenly across the country. That this is not something that we fully have under control. And because of that, leaders need to be really careful about about reopening and taking all of these factors into account, right? There, there's not this magic wand. Because at the end of the day, the fact is, places that reopen will see more cases. And a big part of what matters here is how they deal with that. If they reopen before they can take on more cases or if they're prepared for that. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. As always, a big thank you to you for watching, liking, maybe even sharing the video. I'm spreading some awareness and common sense. Also, if you're new here, you want more of these videos, definitely hit that subscribe button. Maybe even tap that bell to turn on notifications. Also, a big thank you again to nordvpn.com phil for supporting and sponsoring this show. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you like the video. Subscribe if you like it.